welcome to the Developing Leaders Impacting Kids podcast, a podcast all about sharing ideas, tips, and strategies to help you develop as a Kidman leader. Thanks for listening to today's episode, featuring a favorite presentation from one of our training experiences. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and Institutes of Children's Ministry, visit our website, cogop.org slash children. Well, hello and welcome to today's episode of the Developing Leaders Impacting Kids podcast. I'm Sean McKinley, your co-host, and joining me is Joy Hensley. Hey, Joy, how are you today? Great. Excited to be here to record another podcast. I know. We've had a lot of great feedback over the last few months uh, as we've started this new series, Mm -hmm. uh, The Spiritual Disciplines of the Children's Minister. Really, they go beyond the children's minister, but that's kind of our audience. So, Um, Our first episode was with Bishop Duke Stone. Mm -hmm. We were talking about the importance of God's Word and studying and memorizing Scripture. Uh, Last month, we welcomed Dr. Kathy Payne, who talked to us about the importance of fellowship and community. Mm -hmm. And today, we're really honored to have a friend of our ministry with us today to talk about probably the spiritual discipline most of us think about when Mm -hmm. we have these conversations, and that being prayer. So uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us today. So, Joy, why don't you tell everyone who's uh, a part of our conversation today? Yes, today we have the honor to have one of our dear friends with us, and that is Bishop Brian Sutton. I'm going to tell you all a little bit about him. Brian Sutton serves as the state bishop of the Church of God of Prophecy in Alabama. He is married to Renee, and they have two children, Will and Taylor, one son-in-law, Chris, and one granddaughter, Emery. I would also like to make note that they have another granddaughter, soon to be born, so we're excited about that. After serving in pastoral ministry for 25 years, he most recently served as Executive Director of Leadership Development and Discipleship for the Global Church, publisher of the White Wing Messenger, and was a member of the Administrative Committee and Corporate Board of Directors for the International Church of God of Prophecy. Additionally, he serves as a member of the Pentecostal Charismatic Churches of North America Discipleship Commission. Bishop Sutton earned an Associate of Science degree in ministry from Tomlinson College in Cleveland, Tennessee, a Bachelor of Science degree in Organizational Management from Covenant College in Lookout Mountain, Georgia, a Master of Arts degree in Church Ministries from the Pentecostal Theological Seminary in Cleveland, Tennessee, a Master of Arts degree in Religion from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary in Boston, Massachusetts, and a Doctor of Ministry degree in Global Pentecostalism from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. In 2018, he was selected by the Pentecostal Theological Seminary as an Alumnus of the Year. Dr. Sutton is the author of Discovering Holiness, A Quest for God, published by White Wing Books in 2014, Prevailing Prayer, Developing a Lifestyle of Conversation with God, published by White Wing Books in 2014. The Minister's Pocket Manual, The Church God of Prophecy Edition, published by White Wing Books in 2016. Conversation with God, The Power of Prevailing Prayer, published by Broad Street Press in 2017. Practice These Things, Mentored Ministry Manual, published by White Wing Books in 2018, and co-writer of Membership Matters, The Church of God of Prophecy Church Membership Curriculum. Brian and Renee have a heart to see pastors, leaders, and churches impact their communities as they grow in spiritual maturity, fruitful ministry, and participation in God's mission. Welcome. Thank you. Such an honor to be here. Yeah, Love you guys. and It's always good just to sit with you. 
I have to say, Joy, I learned this afternoon that of all of his titles and accolades, Bishop Sutton, Bishop Dr. Sutton has another title. What's that? Can I tell them? Yes, please. He is he is Dado. 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 Yes. I love it. That's the name his granddaughter gave him. It's probably his greatest title, too, I would imagine, Absolutely. knowing him. My favorite one, for sure. Yeah, so we are so glad to have you, uh, Brother you. Sutton, with us. Uh, he's, a, as you stated in his bio, the former uh, Executive Director of Leadership mm-hmm. Development, which encompasses children's ministry. And uh, I've had the opportunity to see you in that role, how you really uh, cheered this ministry forward, mm-hmm. but also as my pastor of my local church, uh, Bishop Sutton, I know, had such a passion for children's ministry to be thriving and um, on mission and successful. And so um, thank you for all the ways you've you've blessed this ministry through the years. So take it away, Joy. All right. So as you know, we begin all of our podcasts by asking our guests to share about their call to ministry and their journey of following God's voice. So we wanted to know, would you share with us a little bit about how and why you are where you are today? Sure. It's It's a great honor to share that. Um, certainly, I, I think everyone's calling is critically important, especially when it comes to their own ministry. Uh, we talk a lot about why calling is important, and I'll, I'll talk about why that calling was important to me. We talk about why calling is important because when things get difficult, and it always does in ministry, uh, when you go through a hard time, you have to boil things back down to that calling. Why am I doing this? Why am I called? So for, for myself, uh, I was called to ministry, or, or what I felt like was pulpit ministry, when I was about uh, 15 years old. Uh, began to minister in my local church at 16, as we would say, preached my first sermon at the age of 16 in March of uh, 1985. And God just began to, to really fashion that calling in a different way as I went along. And, and something that's that I feel is kind of important for me or kind of unique is the way that I think everyone has at least two callings in their life. First of all, we all have that calling. Scripturally, we know that's true, that Christ calls us all to follow him. That is the ultimate calling that all of us have. And so we, we accept that calling, and thankfully I did. Secondly, calls us all into ministry without exception. Every single person, no matter if that is into children's ministry or worship ministry or pastoral ministry, whatever the calling may be, there is that second calling. And for me, it was being obedient to that. Even, you know, I would say if there's one thing that I feel passionate about in, in ministry, it's being a pastor. I loved being a pastor and shepherding people and feeling that call. And I know God called me to that, but even that was somewhat reluctant, you know, because in 1991, when I was uh, 22 years old, Renee was 21, we'd only been married, we'd been married less than two years. Uh, and, and the opportunity came for us to enter pastoral ministry. I did not feel called to that in any way. I actually you know, tried to resist that at that moment because I wanted to do some other form of ministry. My overseer was very helpful in you know, helping me to understand how God could use me even in that, and, and that became that second part of calling that I think, again, God calls us to serve Him, and then He calls us to some specific type of ministry. For me... Uh, which was something that I don't impose this third calling on anyone, but I think it's important for us, especially in our movement, in the Church of God of Prophecy, to, to hear people who have been called to this, called to follow Christ, 
and called to a specific type of, of ministry, the, the pulpit ministry or shepherding others. And then thirdly, I feel like the Lord called me specifically to serve this movement. It was a literal calling in my life that um, the, the call came to me that not that our movement is better, not that we are worse, but if we are a part of the body of Christ, and we are, the way we serve the body of Christ is to be the best movement we can possibly be. And, and God, you know, called me to serve this body in whatever way that may be, in, in any form, from, from a pastor to, if, if need be, a small group leader in a local church, whatever it is that, that I want to see this movement reach what God has for us, uh, you know, in serving the body of Christ and serving this world and reconciling the world uh, to Jesus Christ. So that, for me, is how the calling now those are the callings. The journey that brought us to, to where we are now is, is uh, a journey we would not have time to probably go into the whole thing, but pastoral ministry and then, as, as you guys said, working in, in uh, leadership development here at the international offices and now serving presently in my, my home state where I was born and raised, uh, Renee and I serving uh, in the role as, as state bishop. So it's a journey that we can say about calling the calling of God is constant. Um, I have found that to be so great that it, it is not a one-time calling, but it's an everyday, you know, um, because ministry is just like following him. He, he says, come, you know, come. And that's the great thing that I'll end on that about ministry is you're not ever, ever doing ministry alone. The call is not to, to go, but to come because he's already always there, you know. I'm very thankful, very thankful for that. Awesome. So today we're talking about prayer, the spiritual discipline. You know, prayer is usually one of the quick responses that comes to our mind when we ask or we talk about spiritual disciplines in general. So we wanted to begin by asking, do you think there is a particular reason why prayer comes to mind first? And it's kind of always that knee-jerk reaction that we have. I, I think if we were to look at the answer to that in a biblical sense... Uh, it would probably be because the life of Christ leads us to believe that. Um, if we read the Gospels, we, Jesus' life of prayer, his life of conversation with God is so dynamic that that Luke 11 and 1 passage uh, that the disciples, they say, Lord, teach us to pray. I think that's why the answer always comes. Why is prayer the dominant thing when it comes to spiritual disciplines? It's because that's what we see in the life of Jesus. It is it is true how we as human beings can become so dependent on our skills, on our education, um, and, and yet we look at the life of Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, and He is constantly leaning on the Father through prayer. So I think that's our, that's the dominant reason we feel like prayer is the dominant thing because Jesus models that, you know. Uh, it was number one with him. And and we're a little bit hesitant when we talk about the spiritual disciplines. Certainly, you know, Richard Foster's laying out of the spiritual disciplines, the 13 that he shares, those are wonderful. So because we have books written on the spiritual disciplines from Dallas Willard to Richard Foster and many more, we're a little bit hesitant to say, well, prayer is the most important. But I I think it's okay because we see that modeled in the life of Jesus. It, and, and we can say if all the disciplines are important, we can certainly say they all begin and end 
with the life of prayer. So it's probably the, the model that Jesus gives us is, is why we see that answered in that way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And one of the reasons we wanted to start this whole series on the spiritual disciplines, I've been uh, sort of refining this thought. People who've listened to the other podcasts know uh, I've heard this saying quite a bit that you can't lead people somewhere that you've never been. Sure. And I know that in our tradition there have been testimonies of people and I've often mentioned Bishop Tomlinson mm-hmm. and the baptism of the Holy Spirit he had not experienced it but he was still leading us toward right. that so I I think I've got the answer joy I got it this Let's last week <laughs> you can't lead someone somewhere you're not willing to go yourself that's and so that's really what we wanted um, particularly at the Institute of Children's Ministry this last year um, you know, if we are going to lead children in a life of prayer, mm-hmm. in the life of studying the Bible, Scripture memorization, we need to make sure that we ourselves are pursuing that. And mm-hmm. so you came on board. I think you may have been our first workshop in the series. I'm not sure, but um, you presented such a great, we got such great feedback at the Institute about this topic and this workshop. And I know in the workshop you talked about the struggle that we have finding time to pray Mm -hmm. and that this is nothing new. Uh, This is a challenge that people have faced uh, historically. So could you maybe talk a little bit about that struggle and uh, some ways that you recommend uh, that people sort of carve out that time, even in the busyness of of our culture? I I think you you kind of alluded to that uh, point that we all have a tendency to make, and that is that we somehow think we are facing the most difficult time to pray, you know. And I, I know we do because there's so many things in our lives that are supposed to make our lives a little easier or quicker, but in the end, it, 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 it we're just busy. But my great-grandfather, I have great memories of both of my great-grandfathers uh, were people of prayer. Uh, and I can remember uh, my great-grandpa Holland walking down the field road and we could hear him praying from far away mm-hmm. um, and and my you know my grandfather in the same way they had to in in a life of busyness from farm work and and the work that they were doing it, I, I would say it was probably more difficult for them even though we we are uh, as the King James would say Jesus saying, uh, we are cumbered about with much serving. Still, uh, I think we we have no more pressure than our ancestors did. So to answer the question, how do we then make it our point that we will that that we will say, I have to make this a priority? How can we do that? Um, we've all done it at one point or another. We generally do it during the, the first 21 days of the year, you know, the, during the fast time and prayer time uh, that we have in our movement and around the world, many movements do this. So we, we begin to make that a priority and we recognize that, okay, I'm, I'm setting this to be the case. I'm going to take this time to pray or I'm going to take that time to pray. But I have found personally and the people that, that my friends who've done the same thing, those, those kinds of commitments to, all right, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, and that's going to transform me into a better prayer. Those kind of commitments have a tendency to wane away over time because things, uh, things weigh on our time. And, and uh, so that's a natural thing. I think the key, if, if, 
quantifying or really explaining this key is, is the difficulty. I think the key is to work on our development or uh, understanding of the presence of God with us mm -hmm. always. Um, to, and, and I've talked a lot about carving out those moments. Um, we, we might even call those Superman moments, you know, because I, I really felt like the Lord spoke to me one day about, and I'm not a superhero fan. I know many people are, and they watch, you know, the, the, the hero uh, movies, superhero movies. But I really felt the Lord kind of speak to me about the, the cartoon character Superman, how that uh, he, to be transformed, uh, when he was Clark Kent, he had to go into the phone booth. It, he could not be transformed. I mean, maybe he could, but he didn't. He went into the phone booth to, to be transformed, finding that quiet place, that private place. But a phone booth is a pretty uh, public place at the same time. I think the answer, how do, we, how do we begin to really focus on a life of prayer, is this realization that God is always with us. You know, we, we can easily, because of the invisibility of the physical, we can forget that even sitting in this room doing this podcast, Jesus is with us. He is very present in this room with us. If we, if we begin to center on that, then we're carving out even the busiest time, sitting on a plane, sitting on a train, sitting on a bus, at works, on the factory line, whatever we're doing, Jesus is with us. So if he's with us, just the, our, our uh, leaning into that, being with him, it, it becomes transformative of not just the way we act, but the way we think. So that's kind of a long answer, but, but truthfully, that's the key for me personally, is the constant desire to recognize the presence of Christ with me, not, not just in me, but with me at all times, uh, so that, I, that that becomes, my prayer life becomes more than conversation. It becomes communion. I am, I am communing with him. Um, and I think that's, for me, that's been the most transformative part of my prayer life is communing with Jesus. Uh, my friend uh, Tim McCaleb talks a lot about this, about be, you know, kind of communing with God rather than it be, I think he, he tells a great story uh, to me, he shared the story about being with the Lord in an extended period of time once and, and, and Jesus saying to him, would you, would you be willing to be with me if we didn't say anything? You know, if we could just be together. Boy, that's profound. God, let me want to be with you, recognize that you're here, even if we don't say anything, if we're just together. So for me, that's what transformed my life of prayer is I want to recognize Jesus is with me at all times. Okay. Um, as you know, the Church of God of Prophecy is very much a Wesleyan Pentecostal church and organization. And a lot of times we see prayer and we think of it as being loud, powerful, heaven shaking and so I wanted to ask do you think this view is healthy and how do we allow room also for the quiet and the sacred moments of prayer to be active in our lives sure um, we are a we are a earth-shaking uh, praying body um, your question do I think that's healthy I, I say yes uh, it's healthy in the way we the way we pray um, I have those memories that are just powerful memories, and uh, it, it kind of leads me to a funny story. 
uh, once uh, when we were pastoring early on in our pastoral ministry, I invited someone to church who had somewhat of a church background, but not really uh, that deep in church, but he, he grew up in church. And so he had no um, understanding or, or uh, experience in the way we prayed. So we had a little country church that we were pastoring and he came to, to church. And the next week after church, um, he, he talked to me about the praying. That, that was the thing that really blew him away the most. He said, you guys pray at the same time. He said, how, how, you know, how, do, you, how do you hear each other? It was so foreign for him. And, and honestly, it was kind of shocking for me that it was so foreign. So I do see that that could be, if I would, you know, off-putting for some people. Like, wow, what is, what is happening here? So I think while it is healthy and it is wonderful, uh, as a pastor, I think it's important for us as leaders and pastors to, or, or at least it really is for me, to, in a public setting, everything we do, we have to think it through uh, and explain what's happening. You know, as a pastor, I loved those moments of explanation, and I hope to have many new people sitting in our congregation often. We're going to pray together, and the way we pray together is we, we together pray so that we can hear, you know, our own encouraging words as well as words of the Father. But you, Joy, you said something in your question that was really important for our movement going forward. Um, we have to give place for as many different expressions of uh, comfort and, and depth of praying with not everyone. I mean, I, I have friends and you guys have friends that are very uncomfortable in. Now, it, this, this kind of relates. As a pastor, my thing was, we're all going to stand on Sunday morning. We're all going to join hands with the person beside <laughs> us, and we're all going to pray for that person every Sunday morning. Uh, that That's, you know, for 25 years, that, that was just the way I wanted to make those connections in prayer. But there are other people, um, especially at, at the, toward the end of our pastoral ministry, that began to talk about that and explain that they were really uncomfortable with that because that was not their personality. And so we have to give place to know that those people can be just as close to God, even though they may not, you know, they may be uncomfortable in those areas. So I think I really haven't answered your question other than to say, let's, let's think about that, reaching, being, um, uh, recognizing, I should say, that we do have a varying degree of comfort and it's not that we all are, are working to make everybody perfectly comfortable all the time, but um, we kind of ask, is what I'm doing creating a wedge or is what I'm doing building a bridge to help people grow in, in their conversation with God? So um, I, I think that's important for us. And the explanation, I just really lean into that, especially knowing the majority of people listening to this podcast will be leaders, mm -hmm. leaders of children or leaders of youth or leaders of uh, churches. Those moments of explanation, kind, thoughtful, loving explanation of what we're doing. Um, you know, as a father... That was always important. My kids were so wonderful if they could understand why mm -hmm. that something was, they, they were far more willing to say, okay, there is a reason. So I think uh, we have to do that as leaders in all of this to, to really build those bridges of, of prayer. Sure, and I, I, I'm not prepared to say one's healthy or unhealthy, 
right. as you're saying, but I, I am finding now the longer that I'm on this journey, I mean, I was raised in this thing, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. don't laugh, Joy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's been a long time. Uh, but I'm finding now uh, my whole life, having been in that congregational prayer mode, right. I'm really learning to value hearing people's prayers. You yes. know? And I yes. love in our, in our staff and in some of our settings, um, sometimes we do pray as a congregation, but then other times we say, hey, we want to hear one another's prayers and take right. time out because I think it's so powerful to hear that diversity in prayer and, and yes. the words that people are using, the things that are in their heart. So um, it's a, it, I like your encouragement to explain those mm-hmm. things. And in children's ministry, certainly, mm-hmm. we are in a position to help our children understand, hey, this is why you see this in church. Yeah. And it's not a, a yeah. bad thing good right. thing you know whatever right. we're just right. explaining to you what it is I so i love that so uh you talked just a minute ago about this idea of moving from conversation with god to actual communion with god and so i think that there may be people who are listening who say that is that is my desire that's what i want to do mm-hmm. i just don't know how to i don't really know how to get there mm-hmm. how do i tap into that awareness of god being of jesus being present with me mm-hmm at every moment and and to to move into that do you have any thoughts suggestions recommendations well how do we move into that i think i i I might have some suggestions but i want to lean back into the idea that that you guys were just talking about that you know differences in prayers in the way we pray we have to acknowledge there are it's okay to have those differences when it comes to this idea of tapping into communion with God and how do I get there um, a friend as, as a musician I've, I've you know been a musician for my whole life and uh, rhythm is really important mm-hmm. in in that as a as a drummer or a bass player which are the the main parts of rhythm in, in music I want us to think about our lives as a, a rhythmic work that God puts us into this so so we we know that a song maybe an old hymn uh, out of our old blue book that we would sing uh, it was often in four four time or three four time and so we understand what that means from I'll fly away to whatever we would be doing we we understand those old songs that and when they're not uh, played at the right rhythm we know it, especially if we grew up in those songs. You know, we know, oh man, something is really off here. Um, so, what is it that makes the rhythm when we're considering that song? Let's say we're going to sing "I'll Fly Away," and we have to get it ready that we've got to sing this song. What is it that makes it kosher for us? What is it that makes it acceptable that man we're in the right rhythm? What is that? It's the rest between the notes. It's it's not the notes actually. Uh, although the notes are really important. If they're played wrong, it's ruined. But still, it's the rest. So the suggestion for us has to be assessment and rest. We first assess, what is my life? Is my life out of rhythm? Do I feel, because I, I'm going to tell you, even when you play a fast song, if you're in rhythm, it doesn't exhaust you generally because you're in a, a rhythmic pattern there. Uh, your life, even though it's busy, if you assess, am I in the right rhythm? And the only way to get in the right rhythm is in the pause. So I wish there was a better answer, 
But unfortunately, the way you get in that place of rhythm uh, is, is in the pause. We cannot, in, in, at least in my opinion, we cannot be uh, full of the presence of God without the recognition of that presence, and we cannot recognize that presence unless we can pull ourselves into a place of pausing that we listen, that we are literally in the quiet. Another aspect of that, why solitude, and again, I, I'm uh, talking about Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline, here, but he deals with solitude as being a discipline. Um, the reason, and, and this is another thing I really felt like the Lord spoke to me, if there are issues in my life that need to be changed and the Lord wants to speak to me about those issues, um, if, if I would compare the Lord to a very good friend or, or maybe my spouse, Renee loves me enough that if something is wrong in my life, that she sees or, or something that needs to be fixed in my life. She loves me so much that she doesn't blurt out those things in front of my friends even or even in front of my family. She finds a quiet place to whisper that in my ear. And some of the great transformation that the Lord wants to do in our lives, if we don't allow him place to whisper. Now, He, I believe he's always whispering, but we're not always listening because of the, you know, taking the time, quiet, sitting before the Lord. It's not complicated. It's just finding a pause to, to you know, put out the sounds, if possible, uh, and, and just recognize his, his presence. So my suggestion is this evaluation of my own life. Am I out of rhythm? Am I, am I just exhausted, both physically, mentally, and spiritually? And if so, then I'm going to contemplate the rest between the notes. That's the pause. Am I able to set aside, you know, some people say they're, they're um, uh, very careful about what time of day. You know, it's got to be at 4 o'clock or it's got to be at this time. I'm not really hung up on that, uh, but I, I do think we have to set that time aside for, for the rhythmic rest so that God, he kind of puts us in rhythm. If we're out of rhythm, that rest puts us into that place of back into that place of rhythm and and lastly that that thing of rhythm Paul talks about Jesus uh, emptying himself that we love that Philippians chapter 2 passage we all love it you know that he took on the form of this servant but to do that he had to empty himself well in the emptying of himself that's kind of what we do in the rest we empty ourselves of our of our need to be busy we empty ourselves of our need to to be in a hurry for God, and we empty out ourselves so that we can be filled in that moment of rest. So creating that moment of rest. But I'll tell you, it, we are kidding ourselves if we think that somehow magically we're just going to fall into those moments of rest. It, no, sir. It's always extremely intentional. It won't be easy, but it will be worth it if we're, if we're intentional about creating those moments of rest and silent solitude before the Lord. Yeah, I, I've been challenged by that thought recently myself. And during these 21 days of prayer, uh, when I'm not a person that's on a schedule like you're talking mm -hmm. about, um, but whenever that happens, I've been challenging myself to 10 minutes mm, of just great. silence, you know. And it's actually, for me, it's really hard work Absolutely. to just sit sure. and try to not think about anything other, other than to think on the Lord. Mm -hmm. And, then, you know, I, I know the first couple of times... 
um, it was challenging mm -hmm. just because of the noise and everything in the world. But um, once I started getting that, into that rhythm of mm -hmm. being silent before the Lord, wanting to hear Him speak, um, you know, uh, it it's brought total transformation to my Sorry. time. And Sorry. so that's just one thing practically that I know I'm trying to do. That's great. It's just even 10 minutes. And, you know, sometimes I look at it and think, I'm 10 minutes? Can't you do more than that? Sure. But I'm realizing that's 10 more minutes than I was doing before. Sure. And, and the Lord does meet us in those times. Fantastic. I didn't know that you were a musician, so I'm still trying to get past that <laughs> mentally. <laughs> I, I did know that. I know a little secret about both of you. You're both drummers. We are. You didn't, you didn't know I, that. I See? Know, there we go. Uh, how, now, now, if you tell us that as a kid you wanted to be a doctor, we're going to be really... Because people who listen away. to the podcast know Joy and I grew up wanting to be pediatricians. No, so. I, I grew up wanting to be a cowboy. And, uh, and I knew that. Uh, so <laughs> that was... Uh, I did know that. that. Was what I wanted. And, you know, I do. Uh, my dad does own a horse, and I have a set of boots. So <laughs> I guess I made it. I, I don't know. There you go. Uh, but we digress. So. Yes. <laughs> so at ICM, one of the things that you talked about was how when we pray, we are participating in the kingdom of God. And many times we don't recognize this, or a lot of, maybe we're just forgetful. Mm -hmm. So would you share how we become part of God's mission when we do spend time in prayer? Mm. That, is, um, that is something um, that for me, it, it really comes down to what is the Holy Spirit saying? There's so many ways to answer this question, so I want to—I'll I'll try to hone in on one just for time's sake. Um, the reason we say when we pray, we we have the opportunity to participate in what God is doing, is because if we believe Jesus, and we do, that He said His Father was always at work, and then He even said it like this. It's translated in this way: I don't do anything unless my Father does it first. Okay, that's that's kind of the, the loose translation of that. When, we, when we're in prayer and we're asking God to let us join him in, in his work, and of course, um, many, many people have read the book Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, which he deals with this a lot, leaning into what God is doing and participating with him. Prayer enables us to do that because it is in that prayer that the Holy Spirit, in that moment of prayer, that the Holy Spirit can really reveal to us what He is doing, but also what we are doing. How is what we are doing participatory with what He is doing? Um, so it's kind of a practical example that you would, in moments of prayer, that's, that's why, and I know this is being an individual podcast, we'd probably be dealing with most individual times of prayer. But that's, if I could say, this is why uh, corporate prayer as a local church is so critically important. Um, because I believe, at least in my pastoral experience, the greatest moments of pastoral ministry in terms of vision and direction have come from corporate prayer times, like when the whole church was praying in one room. You know, we may have been spread out or whatever through the room, but we were praying together. That's where God really leads us about what He is doing, but also reveals to us what we are doing. Are we really cooperating with Him in prayer? Um, and, and since we're dealing specifically with children's ministry, can you imagine 
uh, how many children's ministers are in basements and small rooms on Sunday morning with a group of young children that they don't realize what they are doing is that moment is having this incredible impact on eternity. But in, in those moments of, of, you know, five minutes of this or ten minutes of that, they may not see what God is doing through their work and through their words. Well, that if we don't see that, why wouldn't we give up? Why wouldn't we quit when there's only a few? Well, only two showed up today or only three. And, and you know, we, we would naturally say it's not worth it. But when we have committed ourselves to being people who are communing with God and in conversation with God, where he allows us to see what he is doing, that what I'm doing may be the season, the, the season that doesn't see a great harvest, but it's sowing all the seeds, but that's still a part of what God is doing. So... Uh, I can't imagine working for the kingdom of God effectively without having a life of prayer because I need to know if what I'm doing is what God wants me to do. And I also uh, can't be always results-based like because some results uh, that, that God has for us w won't be seen in our lifetimes. So that's, that's why it's really important when it comes to, to the kingdom of God is to be prayerful, so that we know we, we are particip truly participating in what God is doing and we're not you know, kind of going off on our own way. You know, uh, we cannot, of course, separate kids from this conversation. This is a children's ministry podcast, although sure. we know the audience is very diverse. And um, we haven't talked much about your children, mm -hmm. uh, but your kids are all involved in ministry yes. uh, in some different role, serving in worship ministry mm -hmm. and youth ministry. So it's awesome to see that work continuing now to the next generation. Um, so I wonder if you could just, as we get ready to wrap up here, as maybe a father and a, a dad-o mm -hmm. here, a grandfather, mm -hmm. talk a little bit about um, sort of prayer in, in the home, maybe. Sure. Uh, your experience, the, the importance of having um, modeled a prayer life for your kids. Sure. Maybe some things that you did wrong or you wish yeah. you'd done differently? Sure. Or speak to us a little bit, maybe from the position of a parent or grandparent on the importance of prayer. Absolutely. Um, well, I was so blessed and am so blessed that I have a wife who values that prayer as much or more than I do. Um, and we just made, we tried to make God himself, the, the relationship with, with Jesus, the center of our lives, not because we were in the ministry, but because we were Christians. And in the sense that it, it became something we did, prayer and, and our time of devotion, from a very early age, those were precious moments, precious times to, um, to, to lay in the bed and you know, read a Bible story and then pray together. Um, they, were, they were so precious to us just as parents, but also um, maybe I want to encourage those who there there may be parents who didn't didn't model that their whole lives and so their kids are maybe teenagers now and they might say well it's too late I can't just suddenly come home one day and say hey we're going to have family prayer there will be resistance to that if you if you do but you have to to look at this I think with a, a place of extreme humility you know uh, and and just say how we, we want to value this as a core principle of our home. 
I think to answer your question about being a father and what what really was transformational for us as a family was that Jesus was the center of everything in our lives. Um, and as, as um, I've seen so many pastors' homes, um, maybe the children would struggle. And uh, I know it's by God's grace that we have children who love him. But we always tried to, to, if we did this or if we did that, it was because we love the Lord, not because we're the pastor. You know, if you, if you don't do this or you don't go here, it's, it's not because we're the pastor. It's because we're Christians. We, we, this is how we, we want to live. Um, so my encouragement would, would be to parents, try to make Christ more the center and all things come, revolve around him and revolve around that, you know, that relationship with him. Um, it's we're, we're all in in such need of depending on the Lord because we all we're all dependent upon Him. You know, He He is He is the David said He's the air. He is the very air that we breathe, and to to live with that dependence, you know, even for your children to let them know that Christ is our existence. In him we live and move and have our being, as Paul said. And, and for us, that was the key. And again, I was so blessed. Renee, she modeled that better than I did uh, to constantly say, you know, it, it is in Christ uh, that, that all things, our whole life revolves around him and it, it comes out of that relationship with him. So I don't know if that answered the question, but it's certainly for us, it has led us to this place that Christ is not a part of our lives. He is he, without Him. There is no, you know, there is no life. And so, um, I, I know that um, every parent, every grandparent, can have that uh, if if we continue to to lay ourselves before the Lord and and again surrender to Him or or empty ourselves as Christ did. Then. You know, he, he will be there to fill us beyond a shadow of a doubt. He will be there to fill us if we empty ourselves in his presence. I love that. I, I was recently, uh, well, just this week, sharing with Joy and Leslie here in the office and uh, some research done uh, for millennial parents, which is who we are serving now. Sure. And so many of them are intimidated by the spiritual disciplines because they say they were not exposed to them growing sure, up. Sure. They were taught about God, but not how to experience Him. And, um, you know, as a parent of younger children, uh, there was a little bit of validation in that. Sure. Realizing I, I feel sometimes, as, as involved as I am in ministry and serving, I sometimes face that struggle of feeling like a failure. Sure. You know, and am I doing this right? Um, but I, I love your encouragement, you know, make Christ the center. And my prayer lately has been, just let me really fall in love with you. Yes. Because if I fall in love with you, right. my children are going to see that and, and uh, want to fall in love with you too. Yes. So I think Joy has one more question for us yeah. before we well, say goodbye. Yeah, it's sad we're wrapping up our time. And... Many of our listeners are probably challenged to pray more, even just to start. So we wanted to ask you if you had any resources on this topic, practical tips, maybe just info for people who are looking for a place to begin. Sure. 
Um, I'll tell you, the, the, um, the Bible app, which is free, has some of the very best resources on, on daily devotional prayer time. Um, and it, it, the, the Bible app, you can find those devotions that work best for you. Some are three-day devotions, some are, you know, in, in our culture, it's hard to stay with something for maybe a month. So there, there are tons of resources. I really encourage people to, to do that, to go, go to the Bible app because it's completely free. And, um, you know, obviously um, there are tons uh, of, of works. There, have been, there are more books been written on prayer than, than prayers prayed, I'm afraid. Uh, but I, I think the Bible app is a place I would, I would send people first. Uh, to to start a rhythmic journey of prayer, uh, some of those devotions in the Bible app are very very short, but you can just go there and in the app you can just put uh, put prayer there, and um, I think people are really uh, blessed by those those various um, places in the app because it it kind of helps you um, to to find places. Um, of, of prayer and as uh, you said encouragement to pray you know so I would I would send people to the Bible app because it's it's outstanding for those prayer devotional times that they they can kind of get in that for lack of a better word get in the habit of praying every day and of course we do want to mention he probably doesn't want us to but you wrote the books on prayer <laughs> I, I wrote. You wrote two of yeah. those many, many, many books. <laughs> sure. uh, uh, prevailing prayer as well as conversation with God, and um, so we'll put some links to these resources on the show notes for today's episode. We also want to mention those who are looking for a great resource uh, to teach kids about prayer. Um, our partners at the Prayer Covenant for Kids have great curricula, free downloads available to connect kids to the ministry of prayer. So we don't do this often, Brother Sutton. I don't think we've ever done this on a podcast, maybe. But um, we're going to ask you maybe in a moment to conclude us with prayer, praying for those who are listening. Sure. Uh, I believe that just as Christ has been here with us as we've recorded it, he's there with those who are listening and that they would become awakened to that realization and, and really grow. Uh, if you've listened to the podcast this long, I think you must have a desire to grow in your relationship, uh, your prayer relationship with the Lord. I do want to mention also, too, that all of these Spiritual Disciplines Brother Sutton's workshop, uh, we have the audio recordings available of those and the other spiritual disciplines that we're, we're covering in this series. You can reach out to Children's Ministries. We'd be happy to connect you um, to the audio of those workshops. So um, we hope that if you're listening, uh, you'll tune in next episode. We're continuing this series on the Spiritual Disciplines. But to conclude us, Brother Sutton, why don't you pray for our listeners out there? Sure. Lord, thank you so much for children's ministries around the world. God, I thank you for every person who's listened. And I pray that you would do exactly what Brother Sean said, and you would awaken in us a desire to be close to you and to, to have this opportunity of communion with you. Lord, I pray for those who are listening now that have a physical need. Lord, I ask you, would you heal their body? Would, would you allow them to feel your presence and your healing virtue? Those who have physical needs and those who are struggling emotionally, God, would you minister to them as well? The spiritual needs 
of those who are listening. God, we just surrender to you. I give them to you. Jesus, you said if we had any need to ask you, so I ask you, Lord. You said if we would seek you, Lord, that you would be found. You said if we want something to be open to knock. So I do that for my brothers and sisters who have taken the time to, to listen and be with us. Jesus, be the center of our lives. Draw us. Please draw us to you, Lord, that we would know you in, in the fellowship of your suffering, the power of your resurrection in our own lives. And Lord, I pray specifically for the parents who have young children. Would you speak to them with your power? Holy Spirit, would you anoint them just as you anoint them to minister in in children's ministry, would you also anoint them in their parenting that they could be the light for their children? Use these parents and anoint them as they lead their children to pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are with us and that you are in us. We thank you for your mercy and grace. And it is by that mercy we stand, Lord, not on our own strength or on our own works, but Lord, we stand in your mercy today. And we thank you for all you have done for us. And we ask these things for your glory and for your kingdom's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and institutes of children's ministry, visit our website, cogop.org children. 